All right, let's get right into it, everyone. Welcome to Jerry's World. On today's podcast episode, I will discuss the results of Week 14 in the National Football League. I will also discuss the return of the NBA soon to happen on December 22nd. After that, I'll go into the best thing I saw today along with the worst thing I saw today. After that, I will discuss some news coming out of Disney that is sure to blow people away or not. We'll see how that goes. And then to round out today's episode, I will give you six reasons as to why I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Sit back, relax, enjoy. All right, let's go into the week 14 results of the NFL. And before I go into the results of week 14, I just want to acknowledge a mistake I made in the last episode. Last episode, when I was making my predictions for week 14, I had said that it was Hollywood Brown that played for the Tennessee Titans, when in reality, he does not. He plays for the Baltimore Ravens. It is actually A.J. Brown that plays for the Tennessee Titans. So I apologize for that mistake. I will try to be better. Okay, we are going to go right into the results of the 1 o'clock slate of the Week 14 games. And we are going to begin at MetLife, where the Cardinals defeated the Giants by a score of 26-7. The Cardinals improved to 7-6 and six on the season and are still well alive in the wild card race in the NFC, whereas the Giants, who just failed to show up on offense in this game, fall to 5-8 and eight on the season. Daniel Jones just didn't look, look right out there. He shouldn't have started the game, in my opinion. And, yeah, honestly, since he did start, he should have probably been taken out for Colt McCoy at halftime. This game just wasn't an exciting game to watch, and I'm not saying that as a biased Giants fan. I just don't think it was very exciting to watch, to be honest. But we're... With that, we're going to be moving on to Miami, where the Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes, took on the Dolphins and defeated them by a score of 33-27. to The Chiefs improved to 12-1 in the season, and the Dolphins fall to 8-5. Mahomes won 24-34 with 393 passing yards and two touchdowns, but he also had three interceptions and three sacks, one of those sacks being for an NFL record 30-yard loss. Now, there's two points I want to make about this game pertaining to the Chiefs, actually. The first one is a betting reference, betting point. Anybody that took Chiefs minus seven in this game has to be fuming and has to have had destroyed any furniture in their process because of the late field goal that Miami kicked in the game. Also, the Chiefs have had a slew of one-possession games right now, and everybody has been ta- talking about how the Chiefs are going on a tear on the, in the league, destroying everybody in their path. And this just isn't the case, honestly. I mean, Pittsburgh get, got ridiculed because of an easy schedule that they've had, but nobody's really talked about the Chiefs uh, as of late, about how they've been in so many close games. And that's something I wanted to bring up. We'll see how, if this continues down the stretch as we head towards the end of the season. But we're moving on. We're going to be moving on to Chicago, where the Bears defeated the Texans by a score of 36-7. to the Bears improved the 6-7 and seven on the season, and they are somehow alive in the wild card race in the NFC as well. Mitchell Trubisky went off, I should say, going 24-33 for 267 yards passing and three touchdowns with a QBR of 126.7. The Houston Texans, on the other hand, need to wrap Deshaun Watson in bubble wrap and protect him at all costs, honestly, because... They really don't have anybody else around him right now, and it's pretty sad. And he's been taking too many hits right now. The Texans are officially eliminated from playoff contention after they fell to 4-9 and nine on the season. And with that, we're moving on to Carolina, where the Broncos, led by Drew Locke, defeated the Panthers 
by a score of 32 to 27. This was a game I really didn't care about, to be honest, because both teams are out of playoff contention. But Drew Locke had himself a game going 21 to 27 for 280 passing yards and four touchdowns with an outstanding QBR of 149.5. That's the bright spot of this game. I really didn't care about it, like I said. So we're moving on to Jacksonville, where the Titans defeated the lowly Jaguars by a score of 31 to 10. The Jaguars fall to 1 and 12. They've been on the clock for the draft since week 5. This game was the Derrick Henry show for the most part. Henry had 26 rushing attempts on 215 yards and two touchdowns. And A.J. Brown also had a game himself going for seven catches on 112 yards and a touchdown catch off of a flea flicker. And with that, we're moving on to Tampa, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Minnesota Vikings 26-14. Brady had a decent day at the office going 15-23 for 196 and two touchdowns. But the storyline of this game is that the Vikings need a kicker. Dan Bailey should not be allowed to be a kicker in the NFL anymore. Honestly, he should be on the unemployment line. But both teams are still alive in the wild card race. Minnesota's playoff hopes may be thinning fast, though. And it's on to Cincinnati now, where the Bengals lost to the Cowboys by a score of 30-7. to The Cowboys showed up huge to, in this game. Andy, Dal Andy Dalton had a game where he won 20, 16 to 23 for 185 yards and two touchdown passes in his return to Cincinnati since they unceremoniously let him go. The Cowboys improved the 4-9 on the season and are still well alive in the lowly NFC East division. So it just goes to show that a team with a losing record could still potentially make the playoffs in out of this division. We'll see what happens as we head further down the stretch in the season, though. Okay, let's go right into the results for the week 14 4 o'clock slate, and I will begin with mediocrity. The Jets lost to the Seahawks by a score of 40-3. They fall to 0-13. The tank for Trevor is still on. We're moving on ourselves. The Falcons played the Chargers, and this game also reeked of mediocrity as well. When I think of this game, I think of the meme where you see two Spider-Mans that look exactly alike pointing at each other. And I think that one that it can relate to the Falcons and Chargers. They look at each other and say, hey, you're just like me. And in terms of that, it's, yeah, you are just like me. Because we're both mediocre. But because of how games work, there has to be a winner for the most part. And there was a winner in this game. The Chargers won on a walk-off field goal by a score of 20-17, to 17, officially eliminating the Falcons from playoff contention. Nothing else really mattered in this game, in my opinion, so I'm going to move on. The Raiders' playoff hopes took a huge hit today against the Colts because they lost by a score of 44-27 to due to the fact that the rushing tandem of Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor went off against the Raiders' defense. Taylor had 20 rushes for 150 yards and two touchdowns, and Hines had seven rushes for 58 with a long rush of 31, and Phillip Rivers also had two touchdown passes as well. Like I said, this is a huge win for Indianapolis as they continue their push for the playoffs, but this is a huge hit for the Raiders as they, their playoff hopes, they, they could be falling right in front of them, honestly. You know, they could fall flat towards the end of the season. Who knows how it will go for the Raiders as they hit their final three games. But moving on, we are now going to Detroit where the Packers took on the Lions and the Packers defeated the Lions by a score of 31 to 24. The Packers go to 10 and 3 and Aaron Rodgers 
went off today. He went 26 for 33 with 290 passing yards and three touchdowns and a QBR of 133.6. Because of this outing, I feel that Aaron Rodgers took a step ahead of Patrick Mahomes in the race for MVP. And I feel like that this MVP race between the two of them will go down to the wire at week 17. But for right now, Aaron Rodgers is ahead of Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race. Now, the Packers also clinched their second straight NFC North title. And with the win against the Lions today, too, they also hold the number one seed in the NFC seeding right now because the Saints lost to the Eagles. That's right. The Saints lost to the Eagles today by a score of 24-21. to Jalen Hurts won his NFL day, won his first start as Eagles quarterback, replacing Carson Wentz. And while Hurts, you know, had a good game for his first start, the Eagles' defense stepped up huge today, honestly. I mean, the Eagles' defense was criticized. The Eagles as an organization has been criticized. But they silenced the critics for at least this game against the Saints. They really stepped up today and showed up. I will admit that. It's hard to swallow, but at the same time, give credit where credit's due, honestly. The Eagles improved the 4-8-1, and one, and that tie could hang in the balance for them as they fight to stay alive in the race for the NFC East. Meanwhile, the Saints fall to 10-3 and three and will now be the number two seed as of right now going into next week. But the NFC East has a new leader as well. The Washington football team defeated the San Francisco 49ers in Arizona today by a score of 23-15, to 15, even though the Washington football team failed to score an offensive touchdown. The Niners fall to 5-8, and eight, all but eliminating them from playoff contention, and the football team improves to 6-7, and seven, taking sole possession of first place in the NFC East. And- Okay, so before I go into the result of the Sunday night football game between the Steelers and the Bills, I just want to get this point across to everybody right now. At some point, everyone has to agree that the Bills are a legit football team. From the front office led by Brandon Bean as their general manager to Sean McDermott, the head coach, and his coaching staff, all the way down to the players, they are doing it the right way. They have built a process, they've built a culture, the players believe in the culture, the players are winning, the offense is on fire right now, the defense is a top defense in the league, they are a legit force in the AFC, and they can go on a run, not where, not just where they win one playoff game this year. And not just this year either, they've built a team where they can contend for the division, and not just the division, but also go on deep playoff runs in the AFC for years to come. And a lot of people are still doubting this team, and they should really stop doubting this team because this team is for real, and they are here to stay. Okay, so going into the result of the Sunday night football game between the Steelers and the Bills, the Bills came out on top with a score of 26-15. to Stephon Diggs went off for 10 catches for 130 yards and, and a touchdown pass, in my opinion. He was the player of the game. The Bills improved to 10-3 and and are just a Cleveland win over Baltimore away from clinching a playoff spot. And they're a week or two away from clinching their first AFC East Division title for the first time in 25 years. Meanwhile, the Steelers fall to 11-2. It's their second straight loss. And in my opinion, the Steelers just continue to show me that they are actually an overrated team, honestly. They are as overrated as a team in my fantasy football league named Playoff Borat. 
Like playoff Borat, the Steelers had easy opponents and couldn't beat the big boys. Playoff Borat is on his way out of my fantasy league playoffs. And honestly, the Steelers could be a one-and-done team in the playoffs too. Honestly, people are saying that this team could have beat the Kansas City Chiefs. No way in hell that happens. Pittsburgh needs to get together. Otherwise, they could be facing a really early playoff exit. Okay, let's get right into the result of the Monday night football game between the Ravens and the Browns. The Ravens went into Cleveland and beat the Browns by a score of 47-42. to And honestly, this is a game of the season contender right now. I think this is the best game that we've seen all regular season. And it's the highest, game, highest scoring game in the regular season so far to my knowledge. I may be wrong on that. This game was an absolute firecracker, an absolute doozy, a great game overall to see. Lamar Jackson went 11 for 17 in the air with 163 passing yards and one passing touchdown. And on the ground, he had nine rushes for 124 yards and two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield went 28 of 47 for 343 yards and two touchdown passes and a pick. But the thing is, though, is that this game is is so great to watch, honestly. I mean, it was talked about on Twitter almost all night from the get-go. It was pretty much, it was a game where whoever had the ball last was going to win the game. And honestly, I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought it was going to be more of a defensive effort between the two teams. But with it being an offensive game as it was, I'm okay with that. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It's an entertainment factor. The league is certainly happy that it happened. Fans are certainly happy that it happened. Well, Fans that don't support the Cleveland Browns. I, uh, I feel uh, If I was a Browns fan, I would feel your pain, honestly, but I'm not, so I don't feel your pain. I mean, well, Cleveland, you're still 9-4, and four, so you control your own destiny for the most part. But on another note, you know, honestly, the main, there's a couple storylines associated with this game. The first one being Lamar Jackson leaving the game in the fourth quarter because he had quote-unquote cramps. He ran to the locker, locker room early in the fourth quarter because of said cramps. But in reality, most of us think that he had to take a shit. And not just like a, you know, a quick in-and-out shit, like a shit like you have to take one hour after you eat Taco Bell. He was in the locker room for quite a long time as he didn't return until the two-minute warning. And I'm think, and this had Willis Reed walking out into the garden in the 1970 NBA Finals uh, all over it. This rem- kind of reminded me of like the ultimate warrior coming out at that one WrestleMania where you just see him like running and it's Gorilla Monsoon's like, It's the Warriors music! It's the Warrior! And... After he returned in the two-minute warning, he threw a 44-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who had three drops on the night before he made that crucial 44-yard touchdown reception to put, to put the Ravens ahead. But the thing is, though, is that I had a feeling that Cleveland was going to tie the game because that's how this game was, and they did not blink one bit. They marched down the field to tie the game at 42 at 42 but the thing is though is that Baltimore has the reigning MVP and they have the most accurate kicker in the game on their side and there was just too much time on the clock and Baltimore marched down the field and with seven seconds left Justin Tucker the most accurate kicker in 
the history of the National Football League, kicked a game-winning field goal, and to no surprise, he makes it. And we're not surprised, honestly. But what happens after that is just baffling. Cleveland, you know, they receive the kickoff. They receive the kickoff after Tucker kicks the field goal. They get their touchback on the twenty-five yard line, and uh, you know we're just gonna do pitch a doo on the on the field and see how many laterals it can take. But <laughs> the Browns end up committing a safety to end the game. Thus, the Ravens win by five. Anybody that bet Browns plus bet that bet Browns plus three has to be fuming. Anybody that bet Ravens minus three is ecstatic. It's a better. It's a bad beat all around, honestly, for Browns fans, honestly. But the thing is, though, is that anybody that took Ravens minus three loves it. I mean, you know, they're saying, "Oh, easy bet, easy bet." But the thing is, though, is that this game had it all. It had. It had a great offensive game on both sides. It had a great quarterback duel. Okay, don't take a look at Lamar's passing stats and say, oh, he did shit. No, he had an amazing game. Okay, it had drama. It had wire-to-wire action. It had... a. It was like a game, It was like the game of backyard football, like I said. Whoever had the ball last is going to win the game. And then, of course, it ended on that blunder with a bad beat. But... That's how 2020 works, so not everything can go perfect. But like I said, game of the year contender, highest scoring game of the season in the National Football League to my knowledge. And honestly, what a great way to end week fifth, week 14. On to week 15 and Thursday night football. Okay, the NBA is slated to return on December 22nd with two marquee matchups, the first being between the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors as Kevin Durant makes his return from an 18-month layoff and will go up against his former team. The second matchup being the Battle of L.A. between the Los Angeles Lakers and the L.A. Clippers. Now, honestly, I can just talk about those two matchups right there, but I figured I would go into what I would expect for this season. There's so much that happened throughout the offseason with many marquee free agent moves, many marquee trades, many high-profile acquisitions in terms of coaches as well. Also, we don't know where James Harden's going to go. James Harden could stay in Houston. He may go to Philly. He could go to Brooklyn. He could sit out for an entire season. We have no idea, honestly. So with that, here is what I am looking to expect coming out of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference for the season. Milwaukee is the class of the East. I will say that, honestly, Milwaukee should dominate the Eastern Conference. They're a good, well-all-around team. They still have Giannis, obviously, as well. Who knows what's going to happen with him, though? I mean, if... Milwaukee fails to win a title. Giannis could be on his way out and goes go to God knows where from the Knicks to Golden State. But I but who knows? I mean, there's a whole season to be played before that potentially happens. Rounding out the East contenders, I think that Miami with Jimmy Butler, Gordon Dragic, Tyler Hero, and that cast and crew they will be a force to be reckoned with as well as the defending Eastern Conference champions. I feel that Boston with Tatum and Brown and Walker, they will also be there for the most part. 
Brooklyn will be another team to be reckoned with in the East as well, especially because they have the return of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Rounding out contenders in the East, Toronto and Philly. Toronto's always there. They're scrappy. They're good. They don't get enough respect. And then Philly, I mean, Philly will be like, you know, like anywhere from a four to a six seed, I feel like. I mean, Doc Rivers is going to be their new coach. And also, they still have, there's the talk whether or not they could still get hardened because of his time with Daryl Morey in Houston. But the thing is, though, is whether or not Philly is going to give up Simmons or Embiid or neither if they try to get Harden. But, I mean, at the same time, they did get rid of Al Horford. And that huge contract to Oklahoma City, so that should be beneficial to them as well. And then rounding out the play-in group because of the new play-in tournament to get into the playoffs, I feel like that will be that will be between the teams of the Pacers, the Wizards, the Hawks, and the Magic. Those are teams that can go anywhere from seven to ten, obviously in in the East. They're not bad teams. They're not good teams. They're fairly average. They'll contend for the playoffs up until the last uh, couple weeks of the season. Do I even? I don't even want to go into the bottom feeders of the East. I mean, we all know who's going to be there. We know the Knicks are going to be there. We know the Bulls are going to be there. We know Detroit's going to be there. We know Cleveland's going to be there. Charlotte, you're going to be there too, even though you have LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward. But, you know, honestly, I've seen crazy things happen in the NBA. One of these teams you know, for whatever reason could find their way contending for the playoffs after the all-star break, after the all-star break. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I've seen crazy things happen. Now going into the West, I mean, the Lakers stand above the rest. They are odds on favorites to come out of the West. They're odds on favorites to win the title. Everybody's saying that the Clippers are the only team that stands in their way. And I am going to tell you that you, everybody that says that is dead wrong. I think the two teams that have a chance to unseat the Lakers are either Denver or Dallas. Denver has a good all-around team, honestly. I, You know, they have a great cast and crew. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, you know. Uh, Dallas with Luka Doncic and, Christop- and a healthy Kristaps Porzingis if he can t- stay healthy. Dallas can be a force to reckon with as well. Utah and Portland will be contenders to win a playoff series or two as well. Coming out of the West. Now in terms of the playing group, I mean, you know, Phoenix will Phoenix should make the playoffs. Phoenix should make the playoffs anywhere from like a six to an eight seed, honestly. I mean, my thing is is that Devin Booker and crew, they are highly disrespected. I mean, they went eight no in the bubble. The only team not to lose in the bubble, by the way, and they still got fucked out of going to the playoffs, in my opinion. But you know, honestly. They just, ha- they just made the acquisition for Chris Paul. They've got a playmaker to go alongside Devin Booker. They still have they still have DeAndre Ayton. They have a good cast and crew in Phoenix. We'll see what happens out in the desert. Now the talk is going to be about the Warriors. Without Klay Thompson, they're not the contenders as I think that they think that they will be, honestly. They still have Steph. They still have Draymond. They still have... Andrew Wiggins, they just got Kelly Oubre. But the thing is, though, is that without Clay Thompson, they are not the contenders that everybody will expect them to be. 
the Warriors will still make the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. They'll be they'll be like Phoenix, anywhere from six to eight, maybe five at most. I mean, they'll win a playoff series or two. We'll see how that. We'll see how it goes. I mean, the Warriors just have to stay healthy, honestly. So we'll see how that goes out in San Francisco. And then the bottom five, in my opinion. You know, Houston is going to be probably one of the bottom five teams in the league, especially if they don't have James Harden. We're all predicting that James Harden will not be on the Houston Rockets to begin with. And then, in my opinion, the last place team in in the Western Conference, quite possibly the last place team in the entire NBA this season, will be the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sam Presti is building a, for the future out in Oklahoma. He's got draft picks up until the year 2030, I think, maybe even longer at this point with all of the picks that he acquired over the past few years. I think he's got like more than a dozen picks between more than a dozen picks, so who knows who knows what he can do with those picks? I mean, who knows what's going to come out of the draft classes for those years too? I mean, it's just all intriguing honestly, and to be honest, I'm just ready for the NBA season to start. So, we're going to go right into the best thing that I saw today, and it is as follows. Disney yesterday had made a huge announcement, and I'll get more into this as the show goes on. There will be a separate segment explaining everything about Disney and this announcement that they made. But, as I just mentioned, they made a huge announcement about shows, movies, ESPN, Hulu... A lot of new things going on behind the scenes that are in development that are going to be released soon on all their platforms, Disney+, ESPN+, Hulu. There's a new thing called Star coming out, but I will get more into that later on in the show. So going back to the best thing that I saw today, it is that Disney+, Plus is releasing a lot of new Star Wars series that are supposed to come out over the next few years. One of them caught my attention, and it is the series titled Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love that they are doing this. I am all for this. The series is supposed to take place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, which is episode 3 of the Star Wars films. It's the final episode of the prequel trilogy. Now, this is where the best part comes in. They are recasting Hayden Christensen and Juan McGregor into the series. Juan McGregor was Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequel trilogy episodes one through three, and Hayden Christensen played Anakin Skywalker in episodes two and three, Attack, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Hayden Christensen will be recast as Darth Vader and Obi and Obi-Wan Kenobi will be recast will be done by Ewan McGregor obviously this is fantastic news I am for this I love it it's amazing it kind of brings up you know I grew up with the prequel trilogy I mean that was episode 1 of Phantom Menace the Phantom Menace was released in 1999 Attack of the Clones was released around 2002, Revenge of the Sith 2005, so I grew up with the prequel trilogy. I kind of watched the prequel trilogy before I actually saw the original trilogy of the 70s and 80s, so I am grateful 
that this is happening. I'm excited that this is happening. Give this to me now. Like, inject it into my veins. Just give it to me now. Inject it into my veins. I'm ready for it. I'm so fucking ready. I love Star Wars. I can talk about Star Wars for days on end. Anything associated with the films. Anything associated with the Mandalorian. Anything associated with the new series that Disney is working on. You know, fuck. I'm just so excited. I really am. What can I say? Obi-Wan has the high ground. Time now to go into the worst thing that I saw today. And there are actually two of these things that qualify for this topic. So, in a way, I feel like I'm cheating. But at the same time, it's my show, my podcast. I can make the rules up as I go along. So let's head right into it. So let's jump right into the first of two of the worst things that I saw today. Time Magazine announced its Person of the Year for 2020, or should I say, its Persons of the Year for 2020. Now, I really don't pay attention to this stuff, you know, years go on, at the, and I take a look and I say, oh, okay, good job, you know, they got honored by a prestigious magazine, congratulations, you know, you did something that's recognizable by society, good for you. This year hits different, though. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were acknowledged as the person of the year for 2020 by Time Magazine, or should I say the persons of the year for Time Magazine of 2020. And in my opinion, that just doesn't sit right with me, being how crazy 2020 has been. Now, there are some people that will disagree with me on this topic, and that's perfectly fine with me. That's the greatness of this country. But they really didn't do anything. Think about it. They won the election. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to become our next president and vice president in a few weeks in January of 2021. But they really didn't do anything. I mean, Joe Biden ran a campaign. Kamala Harris, they ran a campaign. That was about it, in my opinion. There are other people, groups, in my opinion, that deserve this honor more than them. And in my opinion, with 2020 being complete shit, we're in a in a pandemic, a pandemic is still going on. I believe that the time person of the year or persons of the year should have been the doctors, the nurses, and scientists that have worked effortlessly and helplessly, you know, to do the best that they can in terms of this pandemic. Like, Hours spent in hospitals taking care of patients, hours spent doing research for a vaccine, hours just, you know, they're giving up a lot of their time to do all of this for us. And I mean, like, I don't know why doctors, nurses, scientists were overlooked. I mean, when you really think about it, like the pandemic, like, took over like 75% of the year and doctors and nurses were at the forefront of the pandemic and now scientists are at, were at the forefront of it as well doing their research for the vaccine. So in my opinion, those are the people that should have gotten this distinguished honor by Time Magazine and not Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I mean, if you wanted to, you know, give it to them in 2021, if they do, if they do a wonderful first year in office, then that's fine with me, but not 2020. Give it to the doctors, give it to the nurses, give it to the scientists. 
Give it to all three. Those are the people that deserve this distinguished honor by Time Magazine. Not Joe Biden, not Kamala Harris. But the honor has been made. They are the Time Persons of the Year for 2020. Oh, well, you know, that's it just it is what it is. But that's just my opinion there on that topic. Now on to the second worst thing that I saw today. McDonald's has opened up a barbershop in Sweden. That is correct. McDonald's has decided to open up a barbershop in Sweden. You heard that right. Now, when I first read about this, I'm like, really? Why? Why did they do this? But I guess McDonald's decided to open up this barbershop in Sweden to bring back hairstyles from the 90s. At least one specific look. They have decided to bring back a hairdo for men, which involves the center part of the being parted, the center part and face framing bangs. So it looks like an M. Like, you know, you've got the bangs going across your face, the, the parts right in the middle looks like an M. When you think about it, that M resembles the Golden Arches M logo. So they decided to open up this barbershop in Sweden and call it the Golden M Barbershop in Stockholm. It specializes in helping people trim their own Golden M hairstyle. I just find this ridiculous on McDonald's's part, especially to do it in Sweden of all places. I mean, like, I guess, like, Sweden is like, yeah, you know what, who cares? Like, Stockholm doesn't have enough barbershops as it is. We'll just have have McDonald's open one up. You know, they can get their golden M trim. They can look like they're from the 90s. But it's just weird to me. But not as weird as McDonald's launching their own line of candles where you can make your house or apartment or whatever smell like a Big Mac. So they've got that going for them. But opening up your own barbershop as a fast food corporation, just a little weird. If it ever comes into the United States, I hope it doesn't. If it does, it's just going to be weird to look at, weird to see. It's weird reading about it on the internet. But Godspeed to it. It looks like it's a success already in Sweden. They already had sold out appointments for the first two days. Maybe that trend will continue. Maybe not. We'll see how it goes. All right, let's get into the news that is coming straight out of the House of Mouse, a.k.a. Disney. Leaders at the House of Mouse recently had the 2020 presentation of Disney Investor Day, and they confirmed a huge amount of original content that is coming to Disney and its various platforms over the next handful of years. I will begin by going into all of the content that is coming to Disney Plus over the next handful of years, but they have so much content that if I talk about it, I can probably spend about a half hour going into it, so it'll be just a brief explanation. Disney Plus, over the next few years, will be having 10 Star Wars series, 10 Marvel series, 15 live action slash animated series, and 15 live action slash animated features coming out. Going into the Star Wars series, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, so I like what they're doing with this. You know, ever since they acquired Lucasfilm, they've done good things with it. They've done bad things. I mean, Star Wars Episode 7 was okay. Episode 8 was personally my favorite. Episode 9, not so great. 
I really love The Mandalorian. I really do. It's a great series. I am enjoying season two right now. I don't know if you guys have watched The Mandalorian, but when Boba Fett returned in season two right now, kind of shocked me. I mean, I was expecting Boba Fett because, like, when the, I first saw The Mandalorian, it was more along the lines of, like, okay, he's got Boba Fett's armor. Like, is Boba Fett going to return? Is he not? Like, I thought that was Boba Fett at first, actually, because I really didn't know, like, when the time frame of The Mandalorian was. But I'm getting a little off topic here. So, speaking of The Mandalorian, two of the series that Star Wars, that are Star Wars based coming to Disney Plus are actually spinoffs of The Mandalorian and will be set in the quote unquote time frame of the series The Mandalorian. One will be called Rangers of the New Republic and the other one will be called Ahsoka. Another series that I am intrigued about, I have spoken about on the best thing I saw today section of the show. It is titled Obi-Wan Kenobi. It will be it will be starring Awan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. I'm very excited for that series. Like I said in the best thing I said today, just inject that series into my veins right now. I'm here for it. I'm loving it. Give it to me now. In terms of the 10 different Marvel series that are coming out, I don't know much about Marvel. I'm not a huge fan on anything Marvel. I'm not going to lie about that. It's 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 good though. I mean, there's a lot of fans that enjoy Marvel. There's a lot of fans that enjoy superhero movies, whether it's Marvel or DC. But to some of the shows that are coming out on Disney Plus, Marvel based are Miss Marvel, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hawkeye, Ironheart, and Moon Knight. Personally, I don't know much about any of those, so it's up to interpretation when they come out. You know, just if you want to watch them, you can watch them. If you don't, you don't. It's like every new show that comes out. Most likely, you're going to watch the first episode. You're going to see if you like it. You're going to see if you don't like it. I probably will do the same thing, too. Um, in terms of the live action slash animated features two caught my eye actually i did not know that they were doing a indiana jones 5 so the, there's going to be a fifth installment of the indiana jones series which i'm kind of shocked at because harrison ford is 77 so maybe this will be the final indiana jones film maybe it won't be who knows what happens here i mean I personally thought he would never do Indiana Jones again because he, you know, he came out and said he'd never do Star Wars again, but we saw him come back and return as Han Solo. So I guess money really makes the world go round and money talks and we all know bullshit walks. So Harrison Ford is the epitome of that right now. So, I mean, good for him, you know, returning as Indiana Jones. Like I said, it may be the last one, may not be the last one. Who knows? I mean, I don't think there will be an Indiana Jones 6. By the time Indiana Jones 6 even gets into pre-production, he may be 80 at that point because well, it takes a while for movies to, like, you know, plan, produce, uh, and everything before they get released out into the public. And the other thing that caught my eye with the feature film is that there will be a new Star Wars feature film coming out. There is no date for that film yet. But it's in the pre-production stages. They're planning it. They're writing the 
storyline. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that is going to be about. I'm looking forward to seeing if it will just be a standalone movie, if it will be part of a trilogy. I mean, if it's a standalone movie like Rogue One, I'd be okay with it. If it's a tri- if it's the start of a trilogy, I'm okay with that too. Like I said, I love Star Wars. Just make the people happy. Don't fuck this up, Disney, okay? I mean, the House of Mouse like, has all the power here. And it's just a matter of whether or not they fuck up everything that they have. I don't see them fucking up. I hope they don't fuck up. A lot of people don't hope, hope. A lot of people hope that they don't fuck up. So don't fuck up, okay? I will go into what is happening across different content with Hulu and different markets internationally as well. So, Disney, obviously we know they own Hulu and ESPN+. Plus. So, in 2021, Disney Plus is going to launch in more markets, including Eastern Europe and Hong Kong. Also, soon will be the launch of Star and Star Plus, which will be general entertainment content brands outside of the United States that will build on the success of Disney Plus on an international basis. Pretty much in retrospect, it's just going to be like Hulu, except it's going to be international. We get Hulu in the United States. They get Star and or Star Plus internationally. In several different international markets, still Star will be fully integrated into Disney Plus and will be accessible as a sixth brand in the Disney family of content. In different select international markets, Star will add a huge collection to Disney Plus, including different series from Disney Television Studios and FX as well because of how FX is tied to Hulu and FX has that contract with the FX on Hulu thing. FX on Star will be the international version. Star will launch in many markets on February 23rd of 2021 and in other markets later on in 2021. Now this is where it gets tricky. In Latin America, Star is going to be standalone. It will offer general entertainment, but stuff from ESPN as well will be joining it, such as soccer, tennis, anything that ESPN in Latin America has, it will go on Star and it will be standalone. Now here in the United States, Hulu will launch exclusive original films produced by 20th Century. More news will be coming on that in the coming months. And also ESPN Plus and any programming that ESPN Plus has, whether it's live sports, original content, stuff like that, will become available for viewing directly within the Hulu interface. So you don't need the ESPN app anymore starting early next year in 2021. You can just stay on the Hulu app and everything will be there for you. Now, here's where the bad news about the Hulu content comes in. And Star as well. The Kardashian-Jenners signed a multi-year contract with Star and Hulu, and honestly, I can go into a rant about like how I don't care about the Kardashians or I don't care about the Jenners, but there's many people that do. I won't watch the content. I really don't care about the content. I never liked them to begin with, but like I said, I'm not going to go into a huge rant about it. I don't want to. We're going to move on to the next thing about Disney, and that's going to be what is going on with ESPN and ESPN+.
I will go into what is happening in terms of sports associated with Disney. As we all know, Disney owns ESPN, therefore they own ESPN+. ESPN Plus starting next year will be available for viewing directly within the Hulu interface. Anybody that has ESPN Plus subscriptions don't have to leave the Hulu app, whether it is on their phone or on their smart TV or whatever. They don't need the ESPN app anymore. It's all going to be in one app. I don't know if that's going to happen internationally. I know in Latin America, it, you still have to use the ESPN app because of how Star will be there. But other other international markets, I don't know the whole details. Also, in January, there's going to be a new daily morning program on ESPN Plus that will recap the previous night's sports action and go deep on news, highlights, and trending topics. Isn't that what Sports Center is? Think about it. Sports Center. You wake up in the morning or you're going before you go to bed at night. It's like if you watch Sports Center, like you realize that. That's what Sports Center is. Like they go over previous sports action. They go deep on news. They go deep on highlights. They go deep into trending topics. Like what like that's what Sports Center is. That's what Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt is. That's what Sports Center AM used to be before Get Up took over. That's what Sports Center at noon at six o'clock is. It does the same thing. So I wonder if they're gonna get rid of Sports Center. I hope they don't get rid of Sports Center. But at the same time, I'm intrigued about this. But we're going to move on to the next thing. Also in January, ESPN Plus is going to launch an exclusive new studio show featuring ESPN personality Stephen A. Smith. I don't know how to feel about this. Because I feel like if he has his own show, they may get rid of First Take or his time at First Take may be done. And I love Stephen A. Smith, but I love him on First Take. But I also feel that he's become a huge personality that he does deserve his own studio show. I mean, he already has his own radio show that's a simulcast on one of the ESPN networks already. So it was only a matter of time before this happened. So, I mean, I'm intrigued as to how this would work, too. I hope they don't get rid of First Take. I hope this is like an afternoon show where, like, you know, he could do First Take in the morning. And then, like, he has his own studio show in the afternoon on ESPN+. Plus. Maybe they'll just take away his radio show. Who knows? I don't know the whole details. I mean, I don't. Nobody knows the whole details, to be honest. I mean, it's not like I'm close with Stephen A. Smith. I could be like, hey, Stephen A., what's going on first take? I can't ask that. I wish I could. I really do. But moving on. In 2021, Tom Brady's new documentary, Man in the Arena, is going to be coming out as a nine-part docuseries that's built around his journeys to each of the nine Super Bowls he went to with the Patriots. Kind of has that, like, last dance type of feel, like, you know, he's going to, like, retire soon eventually. So it's like, all right, I'm going to put out these documentaries where I talk about my legacy with the team that I eventually left. I mean, we all know how we all know how the Super Bowls went. Three of them were field goals kicked by Adam Vinatieri. Two losses to the Giants. The helmet catch, Mario Manningham, Ahmad Bradshaw falling into the end zone on his ass. He lost to Nick Foles. Philly Special. Atlanta collapsing. Malcolm Butler, we all know that they should have ran. But the thing is, though, is whatever ha it happened, who cares? But uh, I'm intrigued about the, like, first-hand account of this. Like, you know, is it, like, you know, going to follow, like, the week 
leading up to the game itself? Like, or is it going to follow more along the lines of like how that season went on a game by game basis? I'm intrigued as to how it will go because, like I said, we all know how the Super Bowls went. Oh, I forgot about the Rams. They they beat the Rams, but that Super Bowl was crap. Nobody gave it a damn. Rating uh, ratings were an all time low for that one. The Thursday night football matchup between the Patriots and Rams that just happened was more interesting. But, you know, moving on. So, one of the things that I like about ESPN Plus is how they have these original these original shows. And one of them is Peyton's Places. I thought it was only going to be a one-season thing with coinciding with the 100th anniversary of the NFL. But... Season 2 is already available now on ESPN+, and Season 3 is coming out next year, so I'm looking forward to that. That right there was a lot of information that I threw at all of you about things happening inside the House of Mouse, with their content, with their streaming services, with everything that's going on over at Disney over the next few years. If you're actually interested in any of this, you can just check out their Twitter account, at Disney, just look it up. There's a huge thread on all of this. You know, you could probably just Google half of what I told you anyways, and I'm pretty sure it'll be there. So, like I said, it's all interesting in my opinion because, you know, I for one am enjoy. I enjoy ESPN+, Plus. I enjoy Disney+, Plus. I enjoy Hulu. I have the bundle. I mean, I pay like $13.99, I think it is, $12.99, $13.99, something like that. And I feel like I don't make use of it a lot because, like, there really isn't a lot of stuff that I watch on Hulu or Disney+. Plus. So with everything that's coming out over the next few years, I feel like I could maybe get my, you know, bang for my buck and actually feel like I'm not wasting $12, $13, $12, dollars a month on something that I barely use and may consider canceling my subscription for. So we'll see what happens overall. All right, with us right in the middle of the holiday season, at this time of year, there's always a debate that comes up, and that debate is whether or not that Die Hard is a Christmas film. And I'm going to tell you right now that Die Hard is a Christmas film. I firmly believe in that, and here are six reasons as to why I think Die Hard is a Christmas film. Reason number one is that it takes place on Christmas Eve. Die Hard takes place on Christmas Eve as New York Police Department officer John McClane, portrayed by Bruce Willis, heads to a Christmas party where he hopes to reconnect with his wife that he is separated from. And Holly being a perfect name for the movie as well because of the reference to a Holly Jolly Christmas. Christmas trees, lights, and Santas feature heavily throughout the films as well, just as all good Christmas films do. Reason number two being that it has Christmas music in the film. The main song in the film is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Ode to Joy, and also and the film also includes Christmas songs such as Lead Snow, Winter Wonderland, and Christmas in Hollis. Off topic here, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC is a very underrated Christmas song, and if you've never listened to it, I really recommend that you go and give it a listen. Reason number three is all the Christmas references throughout the film. The film's characters constantly remind the audience that it is the festive season, and Hans Gruber, who is the bad guy in this film, at one point tells one of his quote-unquote henchmen that it's Christmas and the time of miracles. And then there's a scene in the film where John McClane sends a message up to Hans by sending a dead body up a lift where the dead body wears a jumper that says, Now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. 
Who else says ho, ho, ho? A fat guy with a beard named Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Reason number four being is that the screenwriter said that it is a Christmas film. The screenwriter of the film, Stephen E. D'Souza, weighed in on the debate to confirm that Die Hard is a Christmas film, writing at one point, how could it not be a Christmas movie? There's a woman that's about to give birth that features prominently in the film. So that's another reference to the film right there. There's a woman named Holly who is about to give birth in the film, and that in a way references the birth of Jesus Christ, and the story of Mary and how she gives birth to Jesus at the end. Reason number five being it's all about family. At the beginning of the film, we see that John and Holly are separated, but at the, at the end of the movie, we see that John and Holly get back together for a Christmas miracle. Perfect ending to a story, honestly. I mean, who wouldn't want that, to, who wouldn't want that at the end of a movie like that? Number six, uh, and the final reason, is that Hans Gruber plays the perfect Christmas villain. Hans Gruber is portrayed by Alan Rickman, and he is a German mastermind in charge of a group of terrorists attacking a cri the Christmas party. Much like the Grinch and even Ebenezer Scrooge, he has efforts to ruin Christmas festivities, which, ruin, which fail miserably. Uh, but unlike the Grinch or Scrooge where they change their evil ways, Hans Gruber meets a sorry end and falls to his death. All in all, those are six reasons as to why I think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And if you've never watched Die Hard, I really recommend that you ha watch it. Because not only is it a great Christmas movie, it's a great film altogether, in my opinion. And with that, like I said, that concludes the six reasons as to why I think Die Hard is a Christmas film. Okay, next time on the Jerry's World Podcast, I will make my predictions for Week 15 of the National Football League. I will also talk about freestyle wheelchair riding and why I will never do that. I will also talk about what tech ball is. I will then also go into my top five Christmas specials slash films and my top five Christmas songs. Until then...